A happy day to everyone. Episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders. Josh, we got a lot of stuff uh, to kind of nip, nip and, and touch on here at the top and, and kind of pile through in the Peaky Blinders world. And then, of course, we're here to talk a couple more episodes of Great Expectations, which was the Hulu six-part miniseries adaptation done by the Peaky Blinders creator in Stephen Knight. I listened to Stephen Knight. He went on one of my favorite podcasts a couple weeks ago. That was interesting. We have a, a unique relationship with Stephen Knight uh, through our time of, of him rejecting our, our interview requests for years and years and years. Uh, so we, we have been able to pretty pretty much review this show objectively, and we've, we've enjoyed it. There have been some slows and some, some ups from my perspective, but if you guys have gotten to episode five of Great Expectations, buckle in. We're going to get to it in just a few minutes here. But Josh, first off, you know, Killian Murphy's been in the center of all of the attention right now with the Oppenheimer trailer release, the Christopher Nolan movie, and and him coming out with with a couple words about the Peaky Blinders movie. And and we had kind of texted about this on the side, Josh. But what's what's your opinion of of how things went? This is the quote from Killian Murphy. If there's more story there, I'd love to do it, but it has to be right. We left on such a high. It would have to feel legitimate and justified to do more. What do you take out of that phrase? Well, first, before I talk, there's like a truck outside my apartment that's beeping. So I apologize if you hear that. Um, I take that as Killian Murphy does not want there to be a movie. Uh, he knows that it will ruin the story. There is not anything else to talk about. The, the show <laughs> ended. You know, there just just end it. There's there's no reason. And if you wanted to to have more content, that you should have made another season of television. Or you should have extended it by another hour, hour or two hours, or, or two more. I don't know, but there should not be a movie. I'm in total agreement, and that's just more proof in the pudding that there should not be a movie, and that there won't be a movie. In my opinion, I think that that's gonna flop. That's not gonna happen. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what will happen if you don't have Killian Murphy behind you, because obviously his connection with with uh, Stephen Knight is a, is a strong one. But all of these ifs, if there's more story to tell. Well, it sounds like also. Sorry to interrupt you. It sounds like. There is no plan. He doesn't know how the plot's going to go because obviously Killian Murphy would have been apprised and in the loop as to how the movie's going to go. So it seems like Stephen Knight just kind of was like, I'm going to make a movie and has absolutely no plan for it, which obviously we know that when when these writers write stuff, they have like an end and they don't know what where things go in between. They kind of find their way along along the way. I don't think he has any plan as to how the actual story of Peaky Blinders necessarily should end. He left it a little open-ended. There are some plot plot webs that maybe could be extended even further, but I don't think he has any concrete plan or a script or anything even remotely close to that. So that's what worries me. I hope that there is no movie. The show should just end how it was. I thought it was a great ending, great show. Um, and that's just kind of where I sit on that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We'll kind of leave it there. This is on Rolling Stone UK. So it's not just like some side, you know, local Birmingham publication or anything. This is uh, this is a publication of as big as it gets. Um, but, you know, I'm also curious to kind of see how all of these characters will do. And that's something that Josh and I have have tried to take under our belt a little bit and filling in. Hey, when have we seen Grace and when have we seen Michael? And, and you know, we I covered Animal Kingdom and we we talked at length about Daisy Jones with with Sam Claflin and Josh. There's another one. 
couldn't recommend it more depending on if you're into world war ii style television on disney plus now called a small light we see the star joe cole and he is just so so intoxicating i hadn't seen him in so long it probably it'd probably be that fighting movie the boxing movie he was in and maybe the the black mirror episode that since we lost sean shelby so definitely recommending that um with Liev schreiber as well but Josh, has there been anything before we dive in here to Great Expectations? Is there anything you've been seeing, whether it has a, a character from Peaky Blinders or maybe the vibe at the, the top tier level here recently? I haven't really. I mean, I've been watching Succession, obviously. Um, yeah, so good. Been great. Uh, I saw the last. I've been watching the last thing he told me with uh, Jennifer Gardner and uh, Nikolai, whatever his last name is, Jamie Lannister from Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, Calder Walder, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, has the daughter from Mayor of Easttown. So it's a pretty good show. I enjoy it. Um, I watched season one of Yellow Jackets. Got to catch up with season two. Oh, did did you like season one? Yeah, it was good. Um, I'm hoping they kind of move things along a little bit. It's just kind of like stalling. Um, but I th- I think it's really entertaining. I really like it. Uh, I think it's a very good show. It kind of reminds me of Lord of the Flies. Like that vibe a lot. Um, nothing that I can really think of other than that. Um, I'm planning on watching Air tonight, the movie. So I'm excited about that. But Succession. And the last thing he told me are two shows that I uh, am, am currently watching. And and also Fair. Great Expectations, as we're about to talk about. Great Expectations, yeah. And in the same kind of vein as Great Expectations, the third season of The Great just came out, which I love on Hulu, which is a, a satirical, R-rated, X-rated show about Catherine the Great, which is which has been very fun. And I watch uh, Dave, which is the show about Lil Dicky, which is quite interesting. This season took quite a turn. Very similar to Atlanta, where it just took a nosedive here in its uh, 2023 style of of talking and whether you want to keep it light or be a very dark style of show. But Josh, that air show is on Amazon Prime video, which I was like, yep. I was a little frustrated that I went to go see it in the theaters. It was good, but I was like, ah, oh, I could have waited two more days and it would have yeah, uh, not I mean, cost me $20. You got the theater experience. I'm hoping that I put my phone down. I don't get distracted. I don't have home distractions and I can really enjoy it. So uh, I was thinking about going to see it in the theater, but just decided I'm going to stay home and watch it. So everyone raves about it. So I'm really excited about that. So yeah, that'll be fun. It. And then also got uh, Better Call Saul last season just got released on Netflix. And I obviously, if you've been listening to the show, I've had issues with trying to track that down on all different avenues. <laughs> so I'm finally one episode into the, into the last season. Obviously it's going to be a banger so far. So good. And I'm really excited to kind of finish that because that's one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah, it was such a good season, Josh. It's one of those that just didn't, it just didn't disappoint. Um, there's no way to over oversell that. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to be on Amazon Prime Video from the 17th to the 20th for any hey. uh, any Daniel fans out there that want to watch some college tennis. Flick on Amazon Prime Video between May 18 and 20, and I'll be broadcasting a, a college tennis championship from uh, from morning to night each day. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Going to save the voice here over the next few days. But Josh, without further ado on in you know these episodes unfortunately just didn't quite cut it for the critics uh the scores are very low i don't think the critics like the show at all so that's fine i disagree i think it's really good so i, I don't really care to get to this when you see a show on certain review systems i use imdb if from the beginning to the end it's like consistently bad scores a lot different than if a show started with like an 8.5 and then worked its way down maybe like uh handmaid's tale did or westworld where it's like it started with such promise but if it's a situation like this it just means like you said it's just not a connection to some of these critics they don't appreciate it 
But I disagree because I thought episode five was an 8.5 and they got it as a 6.0. But let's skim over four real quick. It's funny. These episodes are not named, which is very Stephen Knight-ish, which he did with so many of the Peaky Blinders episodes. But Josh, we we moved back in time. I know we watched this a little bit ago. So I'll kind of jump into a couple of the big storylines. But see, episode four starts with Estella meeting the fiance and Pip is in the room. And it's such a crazy, weird, you know, totally mindfuck scene where, like, you could tell that he, uh, whatever the, oh, I got the name here somewhere, Drummles. Drummles is the name of the fiancé who also is, like, the sub-employee of of Pip. He is, turns very quickly from being, like, a semi-accepted husband to, like, I'm just going to own you as a slave in, like, five to seven minutes of that conversation it was it was really wild. It was uh, the whole Estella situation with with him, and then obviously she'll move on to being betrothed to another person. It's just very very wild. It's really uncomfortable that whole entire scene. Uh, really intense. You kind of see, you know, what the times are like in the in the uh, the, the man and woman relationship. Uh, it's kind of a you know subservient relationship. There's not really any choice for the woman and who she's going to marry. And it's kind of like a contractual relationship um, to the, to the, you know, to the whim of the man. And he starts ask, uh, asking what her interests are. He starts laying out what he likes and she does not like anything that he likes. And I think that even if she did like anything she likes, she's a tough cookie. She's a strong woman. And she's just letting him know like, yeah, we have nothing in common. You're not going to like marry me. So just live with it. And he does not take a liking to that. And he says, you're going to end up liking what I like. You're going to end up doing what I say. And you're basically going to be my slave, as you said. Um, Pip is in the room the whole entire time. It's supposed to be his chaperone on the visit. And he has to, the drummer basically says, just letting you know, chaperones don't say a single word. And Pip, you know, doesn't, you know, take, take a liking to that. He doesn't listen to that really. He starts speaking a little bit. I think Pip is just extremely uncomfortable watching this whole ordeal go down, this whole communication go down. And he's just very, you know, tempted to kind of stand up and like, it seems like he wants to stick him in the face. seems like he wants to speak out and kind of protect her and he can't. So it's kind of like that fine line of, you know, knowing that you have to do something and really kind of make, make, making sure it's, it's like when you know a secret and you're in a room with someone and you want to say it, you want to speak up and you really can't, it's kind of that, you know, that inner, uh, you know, quandary that you have. It's well, well spoken, Josh. We learned a lot about Mrs. Haversham here as well. Uh, quoted, quote, Estella, she has been raised by the daughter of an associate of my grandfather's. So Drummle's grandfather worked with someone who was Miss Haversham's dad. So it kind of all trickles down from who you know and who you can control. And then we quickly move into a little bit more Peaky Blinder vibes where opium is being smoked for the first time from Pip. Shit is getting very season two of Peaky Blinders visually and then we get our gentleman, is what I'm calling it, because that's when that guy tests Pip's gentlemanness at the bar, and Pip gets into a legitimate bar fight and looks like he is about to die. And then Jaggers once again. How many times is Jaggers going to save Pip at the last second? We have that bar fight. Then and and do, do you have any? Yeah, no, bar the, fight. It was really interesting. What, but what you were saying about the opium, um, you know. The opium scenes are very piggy blinders. Like obviously, we see when Killian Murphy is smoking opium in his in his in throughout the show. You know, what what I was before the war, during the war, whatever after the war, and those really slow smoke blowing scenes were very piggy blinders. Like 
um, and it's really dark and you hear, you know, the whispers and the blowing and the, and the, and the heavy breath. So that was pretty cool and a nice little uh, callback to Peaky Blinders, which I really liked. And then, as you said, Jaggers is just keep on, is, keeps on saving the day. No matter how much of an asshole he is, no matter how much of a piece of shit he is, this guy has Pip's back and Pip has to, you know, owes him his life. Pip, Pip was about to get the shit beat out of him. Um, and, you know, he saves his life. And we start to see Pip kind of spiral a little bit as much of a gentleman and as he thinks he is, he's kind of, you know, going off, going off the rails a little bit. And obviously that's all for about what he just saw, you know, that's all as, as a result of him being kind of frustrated with the situation, yeah. but, but we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out going forward. All right. This episode finishes with two very, very good scenes. And this is where it starts to get, I, 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 I wasn't still bought in when we're like, all right, bar fight, whatever. This episode's fine. This whole show, in my opinion, three and a half episodes in, and I'm still like, We'll cover it. It's Stephen Knight, but it's not doing it for me particularly. Just me as a as a individual. But then Estella goes on the road to the marshes and visits the brother in law Joe. Visits Biddy, kind of like talks some sense into Joe to try to get him to get Pip out of London. Tries to work matchmaker stuff with Biddy, being like, hey, you should be with Pip in the first place. This should all work out. I'm the one that that took him away from you. And that was a very impactful scene. And then it finishes with the witch woman meet that I really enjoyed, where she ends up pulling the gun on them. And then I'm like, all right, we're starting to get moving now into the peaky style of show. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, tying the loose ends up a little bit. You start getting a lot more clarity as to why things were introduced, why those plot webs were kind of, you know, the foundations were laid in episodes one through three and a half, basically. And, you know, you start, it's, it's a cliffhanger. It makes you want to watch episode five right away at the end at the end here. And that's kind of where we get the, the meat of the show so far in episode five was the most, you know, captivating episode of the show. But the end of season four, you kind of were like, why the hell is Estella, you know, visiting, visiting Joe in the marshes? And then episode five we kind of get you know a lot of clarity into a lot of situations but i i, I agree it was a slow build-up as as all shows are it's a short short show so you know we're going to start need to need to get a lot more clarity but episode five fills in a lot of loose ends let's jump right into it we had an opium open with smoke blown into the air and uh pip is baked and you could kind of tell this is starting to become an everyday thing for him he's just kind of getting super high um He's seeing things and he keeps seeing that convict who we don't know the name at the time, or maybe we do, but I just wrote down, it's not Magwitch. It's the other convict. Mm -hmm. um, we find out his name is Cumbersome again, right. but we see that. And then no, we find not, out. It's not, it's not Cumbersome. It's uh, Compasson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. It's not Cumbersome. I wrote down Cumbersome. Um, but either way, we find out that Jagger knows. Finds out that like so this starts to fade we find out that molly the slave was married to the convict and jaggers was the lawyer it's this major news dump at the top of the episode and i remember at this point being like i cannot wait for josh to explain some of this to me because i wasn't all the way locked into the story at the, by the end of this episode i was there but in the beginning of this when we find out it's jaggers her, her his i don't know his maid whatever you want to call it his I, I just it was pretty much she's she's pretty much a slave and right. and pip is there and pip's trying to get information from molly and molly starts to slowly explain how she knows cumbersome and magwitch and everything first of all it is compasson that's how it's spelled I don't know if that's, that's how it's pronounced but it's come C -O -M 
C-O-M-P-E-Y-S-O-N. So it's not cumbersome. It's not the word. But it has to sound like it for me to write that down. So cumbersome. I mean, they're speaking in a British accent. So um, I think it's cumbersome. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good um, one. But yeah, that was a, also a pretty frightening scene with the slave. You know, I never like to watch that. I don't like to watch like males try to like act like women's or like any female is his is is their slave. I don't I don't like that. It makes me uncomfortable. But um, that was uh that was an interesting scene, and we kind of get a lot more information. It's a big news dump, as you say, and we figure out why Jaggers is doing this in the first place. We we figure out who magwitch really is why he's interested in, in pip we figure out the link of you know why like i always wondered what is so special about pip why is jaggers helping pip he's just a poor little orphan boy um and then we and then we kind of find out all that so that's why i really like this episode a lot uh we get this very awkward meeting with with herbert and stella and mrs um... oh that was awkward yeah Mrs. Haversham and and just kind of being like Herbert's like it's me like I can be the second choice and he, I, I his levity in this two episode stretch Herbert the roommate slash Estella's new estranged or Estella's new betrothed his comedy was all I needed you know it, the first couple episodes really lacked any sort of like looseness and that's something that you know certain shows and like Peaky Blinders had a great amount of comedy I felt like in certain episodes and Arthur brought it and John brought it and you know, it, it needed to cut some of that tension. And Herbert really did it for me. I really enjoyed it. And then we get the brother-in-law, Joe, coming. And it's just all these episodes. I mean, all these scenes are kind of mixed in together and going back and forth. And we yep. find out that uh, Stella wants Pip to marry Biddy. But Pip now feels like he's too good for Biddy, which I thought was a really shitty vibe. Like, I was like, Pip, great. Like, why don't you go and live a happy life? But he wants well, to you tried saying saying in the beginning, You tried saying he was, like, in love with her. And I'm like, he wasn't. He's always been in love with yeah. Stella. So that was a bad call by you. I'm going to say that I was right. You were wrong, but you know, that's fine. Uh, yep. But anyways, I thought that, you know, the last 30 minutes of this episode, the last 25 minutes or so, we really start to see things take, take form. And we find out who Estella's father is, which is. Say it. You say go it. ahead. You, no, go no, ahead. you say it. You say it. You, you got to say it. Come to get there. Hold on. Yeah. I was going to get, I was going to get to that scene. It's quiet because first, before we find that out, Josh, we get the name on the bullet scene with Compassum. And he gets to the roommate, and we think he's going to kill the roommate. And Jaggers once again comes to the rescue and looks like he's going to kill some, saves him at the last second. And then in the same thing, it's cutting in to the Magwitch Estella yeah. scene, which is where we get all the all the exposition. Well, wasn't Magwitch the one who was chasing Pip around, you know, trying to find him in the brothel and in the bar or whatever, the, the pub? That was Compassin? Compassin. He keeps seeing him. Pip, 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 Pip keeps seeing him, and then eventually Jaggers is there. Right. Okay, th- that was my mistake. But Magwitch is with Estella. Estella's getting ready to kill herself. She's cutting herself. She's about to commit suicide. She keeps saying, I keep thinking of the the blacksmith. I keep thinking of Pip. I keep thinking of the boy. And that's when we find out that Magwitch is Estella's dad. It's such a crazy turn of events. And he's saying, I, I let go of my daughter to a woman named Miss Haversham. And she's like, what, what, what? And and, and, and we've always kind of liked Magwitch ever since, you know, Pip met him out in the marshes. He wasn't the bad one. It was obviously Compassum who was the, who was the true villain in this story. 
but then I we got, get the big. I got Compass and and Magwitch mixed up really quickly. So yeah, I want to wait for like the whole the whole uh, unloading here because then we get the real hanger. And Josh and I have watched. We watched this a little bit ago, and we have not recorded, and we have not watched episode six just so I can get through this part right here with a little bit of explanation from Josh and from me and from you guys because I love learning things and that's what made some of those hbo shows so good the last 10 years where you're like finding shit out at the very end from game of thrones even westworld did it in season one but this is where we get the quote my fortune is in the proceeds of a highway robbery fortune was stolen it belonged to magwitch and compassum this is where i wrote i am very confused here estella is magwitch's daughter the boy get the money which when he was in australia wrote to jaggers to pay him pip a gentleman when he turns 18 and that is the quote-unquote fortune learning how to become a gentleman having the connection to london having that person on the inside like jaggers connected to turn pip into man was the quote-unquote fortune that's what i kind of got out of that like it's not like there's a bag of gold somewhere that's waiting for pip I disagree. Are, are you are, are you confident in that? Is that confirmed? I think they. This, of this I think that they stole a bunch of money, Correct. and you know, Pippin and Magwitch, you know, had that you know encounter in Compass. Oh, sorry. Oh, in in a Compass, and, isn't it Magwitch? Magwitch and Compass are the two convicts that stole the money. The one that he had the encounter with in the marshes. And Pip. Right. Yeah. Right. So oh, I'm okay. Saying, go ahead. Go ahead. And so they had that encounter there and then they go their separate ways and he basically wants, you know, Pip to have the money or whatever. And so I think that that it's actually money because he knows he's a poor orphan boy and he wants him to, you know, use the riches for good or whatever. And so I think he wants him to become a gentleman so that when he gets this money, he's using the money for good. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but one, no, that's one. I think these are the was, two that, options. Right. Yeah. That was my question to you. I'm like, why? Like, did he want him to have this fortune? Like, I, I didn't know. I think it was just like kind of like, oh, if, if I'm not going to use it, someone else can use it for good. Um, and then so my my big question was when Magwitch was or when Compasson was chasing Pip around, and like you know when he when he goes to Herbert and he's like, where's Pip? And we you know when he's trying to kill him. What good does killing him do if Pip, if he doesn't if like he needs to get he needs Pip alive? You know what I mean? That's what I was really concerned about. He needed Pip to be alive to get the fortune and and whatnot. So I, I was just a little confused about that. So this is where we're gonna find out maybe next episode. But but from what I understood, and I did a little bit of reading after, this is all between Magwitch and Estella. So we're getting this story from Magwitch, and Estella basically asks, like, what made you pick Pip? And he said, one single act of kindness, a Christmas Eve on the marshes, it gave me food and it saved my life. And then he went to Australia and I don't think he, a bag of money buried somewhere that's like waiting for Pip. I think what he means is he paid Jaggers. And there's like two options, right? Like you get this year, which goes, I thought a child might mend Miss Haversham's heart. So I think there was like a twofold kind of ex- exchange that Jaggers was looking over. I think it was the the exchange with Estella and Miss Haversham. And then it was also, you know, hey, there's a kid Pip. Should you keep an eye on him over the next eight to nine years and eventually mm-hmm. help turn him into a gentleman? That's what it kind of seems like for me. But like we said, interpretation, 
and I'm, I'm excited to hear if there's, yeah. you know, audience members listening that have their own take. B-O-O-T, peakyblinders at gmail.com is, is always open. And I'm curious, but I think I, I don't want to do too much Googling. Obviously, we can't now because episode six yeah, has been no, posted. I, honestly, I Googled to see who the fuck Magwitch and Compassion or Compassion were because I was confused because like, I didn't know like what their roles really were. It's a very confusing show, obviously. It's a those old novels written at that time are very confusing to read. Like Sound yeah. and Fury is a very, very difficult book to follow. Like, you know, great, uh, Charles Dickens books are very difficult to follow from what I know. Obviously I'm not like an avid reader, but it's definitely a complicated plot. And like the verbiage and the language is really complicated since it's older English. So it's pretty, it's hard to follow the plot a little bit. Um, so I'm curious to see how it plays out and then I'm going to do some Googling. Um, but I was just kind of confused as to like why Pip was so important. You know, obviously he didn't act of kindness, as you said, and that, that, that kind of really solidifies why he, he, this man wants him to do well, be a gentleman, have this fortune because he kind of helped him out, you know, in the marshes. Um, so really curious to see what happens with Magwitch and Compassion uh, and how they kind of, you know, play out and how, you know, Jagger's, you know, kind of plays, plays out and how the Drumble plot is out in the whole insurance policy thing because it's going to be it's all going to come together it's all going to tie together and i think it's going to be a great ending we don't have very, very many episodes left I mean, it's just one just more, one, more episode, just, one more just the finale right. uh we're taking right. us home um i was really upset that the jaggers didn't just kill compasson i was like you're a dumbass quote unquote yeah. weakness weakness is what happens when compasson wakes up finds out he was alive and he wasn't killed and so that's obviously, but it's you know one of those kind of like plot lines you gotta you gotta keep gotta keep them rolling. Um, yeah. Quote quote of the episode was probably right after that. I thought a child might mend Miss Haversham's heart, and Estella said she sharpened me like a blade of knife. I thought that just was such good writing um, and really enjoyable. And I really I really liked this fifth episode. It was my favorite by far this season. Yeah, I agree. It was really good, intense. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, we kind of see him coming into his own a little bit, a lot more confident that meaning Pip, um, Jaggers, we kind of see him go from this asshole piece of shit who kind of has his own MO to things to kind of, you know, you, you, you learn that he, you know, he's looking out for Pip. He's looking out for his, for his best interest, no matter what he really is his protector. So it's kind of like this fine line of this, you know, dark character to, you know, he has a soft spot for Pip and he has a soft heart. He's really like, the protector of him so i like that um we kind of see estella you know we kind of see her come out come out of her shell a little bit more too and we can see you know why she's in the plot you know everyone in the plot is connected you know that it's not just some random characters even herbert is connected in some way so yeah uh that's what i like about the show is that it's not just like random plot lines that kind of go their own ways it all ties back to what pip pip's meaning in the show is so we're gonna find that out we're gonna see what happens and i'm excited all right. Well, we'll talk to you all again soon. Episode six of Great Expectations will be coming to you here in the next few weeks from Josh and I. Until then, thanks so much for tuning in. Go ahead and email us with your opinions or other shows that you've been watching, maybe some things that you have seen on the horizon for other Peaky Blinders actors or creators or any sort of uh, affiliation towards the show. We're going to wrap things here. He's Josh. I'm Daniel. And we've been so you don't have to.